Jeff Snyder is bad for Oregon. We can't afford Jeff Johansson. Ethel Simpson, not a leader, not even close. That sting a little bit? <laughs> well, are you a politician? Because <laughs> you know I'm not serious, right? I'm just inserting your names into the uh, taglines of the uh, uh, commercials on TV right now because it's the election season, right? Still, it's hard to, it, it, it's a, maybe a little hard to hear something like, you know, Jeff Johansson is bad for Oregon. <laughs> you feel good? No, I mean, it's, it's hard to hear. You wouldn't want to hear that on TV, would you? For any of you? You know, were you born here, Jeff? Yeah, you were born in Oregon. Oregon is your home. And if any of you ever felt called to, to go into public service and dedicate your career and your life to your fellow Oregonians, it would be hard to hear that you're bad for Oregon. Anyone who chooses to go into public service has to have a, a, a thick skin, don't you think? It's a little bit anyways. I mean, if you're a fragile, sensitive person, you're not going to last two minutes in American politics, local or federal. You have to be able to shrug it off or just ignore the mudslinging, especially around election season. And when you hear that the state can't afford you or that you're not even close to being a leader or that you're just plain bad, <laughs> you've got to hold your chin up and move on and do the work that you believe in. You don't need a thick skin, though, just to be a public official. You know, all our hides need to have a little thickness to them because insults and character assassinations started coming to us as early as, uh, I mean, preschool. You know? You're ugly. You're stupid looking. You're dumb. I don't like you. I hate you. You know, sure, your feelings got hurt. You know, mine did. We cried. Maybe even went home and told our mom, no one likes me. But the insults didn't kill us. We're still here. We learned that, well, that's just what people do. And you move on. You know, not to mention the fact that we too were probably some of the ones that hurled the insults ourselves. If God reserved a one-minute time slot on the networks to post our standing with Him in light of His commandments, what might that tagline be for you and me? Donald Richard, a jealous gossiper who lies and steals with murderous, adulterous thoughts, having exasperated his parents on many a Sabbath day without even a care about God all the while devoting his time and love to idols. Not worthy. Not even close. Insert your name into the same commercial. Not a child of God. Not even close. Over the last decade, people have come to me after the service occasionally and said something along the lines of this. Pastor, why do we have to focus on how bad we are? And, and why do we have to say that we're miserable sinners every Sunday? Can't we focus on the good news and just bask in the light of Jesus? Well, sure we could. But for every one of those encounters, I've had one that goes this way. Pastor, 
you know, the good news of Jesus is great and all, but I want more conviction of my sin. And, and I know there are some other people here that need to hear the same thing. Well, you've heard it. Not a good person. Not a good person. Not even close. Now, in the midst of this depressing problem, we're actually celebrating something today. Two things, actually. Reformation and confirmation. <clears throat> At the 1045 service today, I'm going to confirm three young men, J.P. Garstka, David Sanchez, and David or uh, Ben Granquist. Now, if anyone had a thick skin, it was Martin Luther, scolded and beaten by his teachers when he was a young schoolboy for not answering correctly, berated by his overbearing father at home, rebuked and scorned by his opponents during his entire career as a pastor and teacher at Wittenberg and a few other places. Luther kept going through all that. Yet when it came to God's law, Luther was a shivering, cowering wreck on the floor. Terrified by the pronouncement, Martin Luther, not a child of God, not even close. He was so terrified of God and the promise of hell, he spent sleepless nights in torment, beating himself with a whip and other instruments of torture, and starving himself as punishment for being such a rotten, miserable creature. See, Luther's conscience at the time was bound to a false teaching which had crept into the church's understanding of the purpose and the, and the use of God's law. It taught people the law of God terrifies the soul of the sinner, which produces guilt and shame, which then produce works of atonement for your sin. You know, to, to pay back the debt of your sin. In other words, the law was a corrective measure for sin in itself. It had that ability. In reality, though, the law only crushes and kills us. With His commandments, His standards for humanity, God says to the entire human race, not worthy of life with me in paradise forever. In fact, you're worthy of just the opposite. Now, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, they are all missing out right now because someone needs to make a series that you can binge on where in an alternate universe, there was no Martin Luther. Or if there was, the Holy Spirit never came to him and opened his eyes to Paul's letter to the church in Rome and the righteousness of God that's not earned but freely given. What would the church be like today if that hadn't happened or if there was no Martin Luther? It could be a real dystopian kind of story, you know, where the, the church gains so much power and with its heavy-handed use of the law, and it runs the whole world, you know, and everything is really dark and oppressive and, and people live in submission to the church uh, leaders who, who keep society in line, like a kind of, uh, 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 you know, police force, right? And a new reformer, a modern Luther, rises up in the typical style of, of bin shows about alternate worlds where where that we've come to know and love, and then there's a revolt, and the truth wins out in a, a dramatic struggle for freedom. Wouldn't that make a great series? 
But hey, that's already happened in real life. 503 years ago now. It's what we're celebrating today. It's why Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28, that you heard a moment ago, are read every Sunday at this time of year. The law tells us we have sinned. We are sinning. And God will hold us accountable. But the solution for sin comes apart from the law. It's not built into the law somehow like Luther was taught and believed for the first half of his life. Righteousness comes to those who believe in Jesus Christ. By his death on the cross, Jesus became accountable to the Father for all your sin and mine. Took the whole thing and the sin of the world. Talk about crushing on his shoulders, on Jesus' shoulders, huh? How could he take all that sin upon himself? He did, though, and he did it for you and me. As a result of this good news, our works are not an attempt to dig ourselves out of the pit, but for the good of others. That others would know or would see our good works and also believe in order to understand more of the kingdom of God. Now today we're celebrating the confirmation of this promise for of this promise of God for Ben, JP and David, as well as remember our own confirmations in the church. Some of you may remember your time in confirmation where you were expected to memorize the six chief articles of the Christian faith, right? Which were, get this right now, or I'm going to make you go through it all over again. Okay, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed. Well, in Luther's catechism, he, he encourages you to study the creeds, but the Apostles is the, is the minimum you've got to learn, right? So we have baptism, the Lord's Supper, and number six, the keys of the confession and absolution, right? Office of the keys. Good, you all passed. You're safe for another year. Those were the minimum your pastor was obligated to teach you. And, you know, there may be, of other, there may be other things you had, had learned, but by memory, memorizing these things in a classroom-type setting where the, where the pastor was the teacher... You know, your knowledge of the faith was expected to serve you as a guide in your future life and vocation. And that still exists in confirmation today. We still, we still do that. But memorizing facts has, is not as much as a deal today as other aspects of the Christian life, such as serving others, learning how to serve others and learning about God in a setting that doesn't have all the baggage of a classroom, such as, you know, feeling like people, people are going to think you're dumb for asking a certain question. So these last few years, I've moved confirmation from the classroom to the dinner table, where Luther's small catechism was originally designed to be used. See, in that setting, the whole family can participate in learning and growing together with other people of the church. Well, this year, though, has been, well, challenging to say the least. We had to cut the dinners with church members off in March. 
and go back to more of a, a classroom setting. And some of our meetings were on Zoom, which, you know, is just not. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of you participate in the senior group on Wednesdays. It's just not the same, right? It's better than nothing, but... So it hasn't been easy this year. But I have a feeling it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy year for the confirmation class of 1919 either. Why? Because there was no confirmation class of 1919 here at St. Paul Lutheran Church. Any guesses to the reason? Yeah. The other great pandemic, right? So I checked the record. Six young people were confirmed here on Palm Sunday in May of 1918. And that was a month or two before the influenza started going rampant. Pastor Kolb took a call in the fall of 1918. Then Pastor Westerkamp came when the flu had already killed about 40,000 people in Oregon alone. So yeah, my guess is confirmation was just canceled that year for a whole year. Now, the confirmation class in 1920 Oh, that's a different story. Fifteen kids, which is twice as many as the average in previous years and those that follow. So that tells us the class of 1920 included the kids that would have been confirmed in 1919 had it not been for the pandemic. And those kids include, now my German is not good, so if I get these names, and look, I'm not saying any of you, I don't think any of you were here in 1920, okay, but... You may have, some of you may have known some of these people uh, when they were middle-aged or elderly. So that class included Clara Schultz, Emma Seifert, Seifert, okay, uh, Edwin Ruprecht, Ruth Anna Ruprecht, Herman Ruprecht, I think it's Meta Liebnau, Flora Ficken, Herbert Borchers, Gerhard Westerkamp, I'm assuming he was the pastor's kid. Herbert Schmidt, Arthur Krebs, Helena Krebs, Friedrich List, George or Georg Konzelman, and Alice Raywalt. The thing about confirmation is there's no measurable academic or practical goal, right? The Christian church doesn't have a final exam or demonstration to make sure you've learned everything you're supposed to learn like at school. But we have this right that these three young men are going to recite at the next service. And they don't understand everything. None of us understand everything. That's not the purpose of confirmation anyways. But the hope is you believe in Jesus Christ. And you believe because you want to understand more. And that takes place throughout your whole life. I mean, I still learn something new about the faith every year I lead confirmation. And not only, not only that, you're affirming what you already know and acknowledge what God has done for you in your baptism, like we sung uh, in our first hymn this morning. He saved you and me through the waters of baptism. Well, our service today is not televised. This one isn't. 1045 one is. Not on the networks, but on Facebook Live. And in that, in this time slot right now, and the next one in the next hour, 
God says to you and to me, my son, my daughter, my child forever, to me and to each one of you. You, God says, you, righteous in my sight because of my son, Jesus Christ. Saved, forgiven, it's all yours and mine. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.